It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And last week, we kicked off rankings 2.0 for the 2024 Dynasty rookie class with quarterbacks, which was an interesting discussion, which featured one of our uh, most prolific disagreements in the young history of this program, Colin. And I have a feeling, based on what I just watched for the last week, that there may be some disagreements with this running back class, which is what we're talking about today. I don't think the disagreements will be as prolific because I don't know if there's as strong of flag plants to be had in this running back class. So uh, that, that'll that be kind of the underlying theme of this whole episode is, you know, what is this running class, running back class? I mean, if you've been tuning in through the season here at Camp Dynasty, you'll know how we feel about this and you know we've been talking about you know we got to dive in and see if you know this is how we actually feel or maybe things will change and now we're to the point where we get to find out you know actually what each other thinks and if our opinions have changed about this class so i i don't know where you're at i do i know where i'm at i, I i'm not sure that i do i mean I, we it was a running theme for this entire season, like you said, of, you know, what is this running back class? Nobody was really seizing hold of it. We knew coming in that it was maybe a weaker group and nobody really seemingly stepped up to the plate and took hold of it. So I think what this class amounts to is a little bit of pick your flavor. I don't know if there's very solid tier breaks here with like, x player is way better than the next guy i think it's a lot of what is the style of runner that you need or 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 value and then kind of you know go from there but i guess that can be a little bit of a lead into our discussion which is just what did you think as a whole watching these players what did you think about this class did it surprise you a little bit did it confirm what you already thought about maybe a lack of talent what was your overall impression? I can't say I was surprised by the class. I mean, we, we've we been breaking this down week after week and trying to find, like, this light at the end of the tunnel. And we're approaching the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and I'll just say the light is dim. <laughs> I'm, I'm not finding the light. So uh, I, I wasn't super impressed. There were a few things that stood out that we'll talk about probably towards the end of the episode where yeah. it's like, yeah, that, that is, that impressed me. This is something with upside. So, uh, as a whole, I think it's a weaker class. I mean, I think we can agree on that. I hope. And yep. so do with that what you will. And, you know, if you're a running back needy team and it's early in this process, maybe you got to figure something out because it might not be, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a dart throw, I think. It really is going to take NFL draft landing spots to like breathe a little bit of life into this class, I think. I think surface value, it's pretty hard to get excited about these players as like 
this is going to be the running back that I'm targeting in the first round of my dynasty rookie draft. You know, like there really isn't that guy that you're getting super jazzed about, certainly in the top end of the class as a whole. Landing spots could make things interesting. You get a player goes to a good spot, good scheme, maybe decent draft capital behind it. Then we get a little bit of excitement. We're a long ways away from that, but I say that just because it's it's tough right now. If you need a running back in Dynasty and you have some firsts to play with, you're kind of sitting here saying, well, <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> but uh, it's not all doom and gloom. So let's talk about some of the more talented backs in this class, starting with number five. This is a top five once again. Uh, maybe we expand it out next week with wide receivers because we, we kind of know already <laughs> yeah. that it's going to be a lot more interesting done, and exciting. We, we could have done a top three here <laughs> and then like a top yeah. eight with wide receivers and it would have right. been good. So, uh, top five and I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to go first. How's that sound? Hey, I appreciate that. Cause I don't know what I yeah. am going to do. So. I've, I made you go first all of last year and with the quarterbacks this year. I will take this bullet and I will say that my number five running back in the 2024 rookie class is Braylon Allen. All right. Uh, first and foremost, higher, lower. I have him higher. M- High enough, we should save it? Significantly higher. Significantly higher. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So let's save it. Okay. This will be a save, and we'll come back. I'll I'll maybe give you a little bit of the the downside. (laughs) Alan Collin might have the the (laughs) upside. Um, But, okay. So Braylon Allen, five on my list. Talking about him later. Five on your list then. So you are going first. Yes, I am going first, effectively. Well... You 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 gave your right. I spilled first, the beans. And that matters, right? Yeah. Uh, Bucky Irving is my number five. I you I know you got him higher. I have him lower. Oh, you have him lower. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about Bucky Irving. So, Bucky Irving is a you know five ten two hundred pound running back from Oregon. He was a little bit of a low volume. Could be high efficiency. It was a little hit or miss throughout the season. Uh, but the reason I have him number five is because he has a, another gear and a pass-catching acumen more than a lot of the other guys that I watched. I think that he could be a nice, you know, scat-back PPR guy in the NFL where he's you know can carve out a little bit of a role, get out there on passing downs, and pair up with a – a bigger running back on a team since every NFL team is a committee these days. So I think Irving has a ton of juice. I think his uh, vision is his downfall as a, as a running back. He is, he avoids contact very often. And so that will make him bounce it outside more often than I would like. Like there's seams and gaps that he can hit and get three, four yards, but he'll forego that to try to get to the outside and make a big play. So that is my big glaring issue, and 
something that would be very important on an NFL team if you want to be, you know, a threat in the running game is that you got to get the dirty yards. And it seems like Bucky Irving more often than not is not super interested in doing that. Also, I mean, the pass blocking, you don't see a ton of it because a lot of the passing downs, he's running routes. Um, he'll chip. The chips are not great. I mean, the pass blocking is fine when he does it. It's not good. Like, I, it's not going to keep him on the field. Let's say that. So uh, that that's what, what you got for, for Bucky. Where do you have him? Yeah, I mean, honestly, hearing you talk there, it feels like we see him very similarly. And I have him as my seventh running back right now um, because I do think, like, upside-wise, it's it's a little murky. And, I mean, you could say that with a lot of these guys. Like, what is Bucky Irving's role as a undersized back with issues as a pass blocker and issues with a little bit of vision and kind of, and, and something that I saw was that he gets a little bit too ahead of himself. Sometimes he, he, he's not always a patient runner. He's an extremely explosive player. He is a, you know, an offensive weapon, sort of a running back where he has the ability to run, uh, you know, once in a while inside a lot of times outside and get involved in the passing game so he kind of brings a lot to the table, but you end up kind of coming away saying, I don't love his vision. I don't love that he's not waiting for blocks to get set up before he's hitting the gas that he that he has. I mean, we, we know you have that acceleration and that explosiveness, change of direction, all of that stuff, but it's not always set up for success. He doesn't always set himself up to use those tools in a you know in an extremely effective way so I like this player I still do I think you know there's certainly an NFL role for him he will you know factor into an offense I don't think he's like a lead guy you know or anything like that certainly I mean the size is you know 5'10 194 not super small we'll find out if that 194 is true to, yeah. true to size yeah I wouldn't be surprised if he's a little bit smaller than that but um, yeah, I just, I, I, I like the player, but I, I struggle to have him in a, in a, you know, a role where I feel comfortable taking him with a higher selection in a dynasty rookie draft. Yeah, I get that. And like I said, this running back class is a little, I no, yeah. I get it. And We're so gonna... like the, uh, the fifth running back is someone that's like mid late late second round pick like i it's not somebody that i'm gonna be like jumping at the bit for right you know like i don't have my i I obviously don't have my entire board set up yet um but just like cursory guess would be like early third bucky irving kind of would fit into that spot in the draft for me so i think we're kind of in the same bucket yeah, I think we feel the same way and just came out with different yeah. outcomes. So we'll find out who yeah. I have higher. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So Bucky Irving, number five. For me. Braylon Allen was number five. So I will go with my number four running back. Oh. <laughs> Audric Estime. Okay. I have him at six. Six. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was, th- this is an interesting player 
Like, this is one that I keep going back and forth about. Like, I'm beating myself up a little bit because the good for Estime is really good. Like, just so we're clear on the player, we talked about him a decent amount during the season. If you watch Notre Dame, you're familiar with the player. 5'11", 227. He is a big dude. Yep. And he's not that Braylon Allen 240, you know, with an eight pack, but he's pretty chiseled for his size. Like he's a, he's very clearly uh, an athletic 227 at running at the running back position. And that shows up because when we talked about him in week zero, all the way back in August. And it was like, you know, maybe this is an interesting player to keep your eyes on later running back pick and all that. It, he kind of had that look of like, he's a little bit of that, you know, big bruiser between the tackles, goal line, situational back. And then as you watch him through the season, you start to say, well, he's kind of explosive. (laughs) Like he is an explosive cutter He's an explosive athlete in the open field, and he has legitimate speed. Uh, I mean, 22 runs this season of 15 yards or more. That was fifth in all of college football for a player of this stature. Kind of crazy. And so you see all of that, the explosion, the speed, the cutback ability, and obviously the power. We know that he has that power to his game as well. The part that I kept that I kept getting tied up with, and I'm wondering if this is what stood out to you, is just that his footwork behind and at the line of scrimmage is very slow. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it takes him almost too long to get that play to get into the play and it doesn't look like it's patience it looks like it's just muddy feet until he breaks that line of scrimmage and then all of a sudden he kind of gets a little bit of that juice like he's got to build up a little bit of that speed build up a little bit of that twitch but i i'm concerned about that behind the line of scrimmage work because i think when the game is getting faster that's going to become more and more of a problem and a weakness of his game where i wonder does it limit him significant significantly at the nfl level yeah i think it to me it looks a little bit like indecision like he's sitting there and it's like uh and then when he can go and like get downhill like you're saying and you know ramp up a little bit that's that's when you see the player that he is but when he's waiting for things to develop behind the line of scrimmage it's like you know you you picture Le'Veon Bell like kind of dancing behind the line of scrimmage and then just jumping into that hole with him it, it feels like the opposite it's like you see him and it looks like I'm waiting and I'm like oh what's what what's going to transpire here and that that is the big thing that I was like I don't love that this looks like a guy that should be you know if things are muddy go get two yards because you can and it just looks like a guy that is looking for the big play the, the looking for that hole to come that might not end up and sometimes it works for him like sometimes it, he'll he'll sit back there and he'll like kind of and then the hole will split open and he'll go and he'll get like 10, 15 yards. And so that's the, the kind of 
give and take you get with them is that sometimes it works out for him. So I don't know if it's necessarily something that he would feel would be a negative. It's like, well, you know, I, I, I can get it done. But with, with his size and his ability and his strength and his power, like you want to see him just take what he can get. Uh, the, I mean, he's a, a great player and he can block his ass off, which I love. I mean, he he is protecting Sam Hartman back there because he's not catching a lot of passes, so they keep him in the block. And he, I mean, is stonewalling guys that are coming off, which you should expect from a guy this size. But he shows you it. Some of the some of the big guys don't like to get dirty. Esme has no problem doing it. So yeah, my my big red flag was the the behind the line of scrimmage. Kind of you can feel him diagnosing what's going on in front of him. And I just don't think that'll fly at the next level. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame too because he is so fun to yeah. watch. He yeah. is he is I mean pound for pound. I think he's the most fun running back to watch in this class in terms of the 2023 film. Just because I mean a guy this size just shouldn't be able to move like that. I mean some of his cutbacks, like I said, just dynamic. Just I mean. His ability to stop on a dime, cut back, and then accelerate at this size is, it feels a little special to me. Um, the power stuff, I mean, he's got it too. And that's why I don't know why he is so, he, it's almost like he plays like a little bit of a smaller back. Yeah, like he's exactly. not playing with his size. Like he can use it because it's impossible for guys to get him down. I mean, you bring an arm tackle to, estimates legs and and he's just going to keep it churning like he's that's right. not going to fly you got to get multiple bodies on him um but it's just i i don't know yeah i think you're right i think it's a processing thing i think it's an indecisiveness thing and you know he's as a bigger player there's a little bit of that you know slow the the feet are slower than these other players in this class where you watch him and you're like okay that was lightning in a bottle and it makes sense I mean, you watch a guy like Bucky Irving, it's like, yeah, the feet are lightning quick. I mean, he's 30 pounds lighter, but I mean, when you talk about the way that Estime plays, he kind of needs that. He right. needs to be quick off the line. So I, I'm i hopeful. I'm hopeful that he ends up in a good spot and that we can get excited about, you know, his NFL projection, but that that is a little bit of a, you know, a scary flaw. It's something that could be, dramatically hinder him at the NFL level. And that's why he ends up at number four for me. Right. And he, like you said, he plays like a guy that needs to be able to explode in one step. And it seems like it, it can take him two or three. Yeah. So, and that's due to him being a big guy. So, all right. Well, that's your five and four Braylon and estimate. I got Bucky Irving at five. So I'll give my four. Yep. Which is Blake Corum. Okay. Do you have higher or lower? I have him at number six. Okay. So Corum is uh it's just we've been through it all with yeah. Blake Corum. <laughs> you know, it's been a long journey with Corum from last year to this year. I mean, he broke out last year as the the guy at Michigan. 1,461 yards, 18 touchdowns, just a complete model of consistency. 
And then you come back to this year, and he's working back from the knee injury. Uh, we, I mean, there was part of us that expected him to come back to school this year. Part of us that was like, I'd like to see him in this draft because I don't want him to be 23 years old going into the 2024 NFL draft. Well, he comes back, works through the knee injury. I mean, obviously Michigan is a powerhouse or a wagon. Um, he is part of the heart and soul of that team. And they started to give him more work as the season went on, as we kind of expected since he was coming back from the knee injury. And he looked pretty similar to what he did last year. It just felt like it all got taken down a notch when it comes to uh, exploding, getting in and out of breaks. I mean, the the cuts just didn't feel as hard, which, again, to be expected. Like, you don't fully have trust in that knee until you get a full season. You always see that one-year one dip in production, I'd say, after a knee injury like an ACL because you have to get full confidence, full trust in that knee. And unfortunately for Corum, that year is the year he turns 23. He'll be 23 uh, almost like halfway through his first NFL season. He'll turn 24. Uh, and then you'll be, I mean, already having those questions about having an older running back. So that's why he's – you know, a little lower on the list. That's why he's four. Because you think of a guy that was in Heisman talks his junior year, it would have been nice to have that guy, even stash him on the dynasty roster after that season. But then he comes back, he gets another year under his belt, he doesn't look as impressive, and then you start to have the questions pop up. I mean, he was a better goal line back this year, uh, but outside of that, it's pretty much the same player with a little less juice. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, it's dynasty and I can't I just can't talk myself into this player with a high with a high pick. I I just can't do it. He is the same player. I mean, he's the player. He comes into the year as my number 4 running back. All things considered on talent, he's probably in this spot for me. Um, but the 24 years old, halfway through your rookie season, it, it does bother me. It does. And especially with all of the mileage that he has and a serious knee injury. I mean, this is all compounding into a very scary, you know, investment in dynasty. Like mm -hmm. as I, I don't know where Blake Corum ends up going in the NFL draft, but um, I do expect that he's one of the top backs taken. That's probably going to come with a little bit of, you know, lift in terms of when we get into dynasty draft season. Oh, Blake Horn was the RB2 drafted to so-and-so. Okay, we got to think about this again. But, like, in a vacuum right now, I'm just not ready to put him above some of these players. I mean, Braylon Allen, who I have at five, that's well-documented, obviously, how young he is he's going to be 20 years old audrick estime not much older than braylon allen he was 19 when we talked about him in week zero he's 20 right now age is not everything with the running back position if you're younger doesn't mean that you're better i mean but it does mean that when i'm looking ahead if if you if your projection you know hits at the nfl level 
we have several years of of production with you. And a guy like Corum, it's like you might have a rookie year and you might already feel a little bit of like I, I kind of need to explore <laughs> what I'm what I'm working with here. And that's just not a good place to be. Now, the player, that's all the dynasty part of it. Right. The player is still very good. And I do think that what you were talking about with a little bit of that confidence building did show up this year. He was a much less elusive player, like much less elusive last year, quick feet, quick cuts, very tight moves behind blockers to get himself into advantageous positions and into, into open spaces, not a sprinter, but he was picking up big plays because he was so shifty and hard to track once he broke the line of scrimmage. This year, only 23 missed tackles forced on the entire season. That is down from 73 last year. Um, this elusiveness metric that PFF assigns players, which I, I'm not even going to pretend to explain because I don't know how they create it, but I will use it when it's telling me that Blake Corum had a 97.5 elusiveness rating last year and had a 25.6 elusiveness rating this year. So very substantial drop that is confirmed when you watch his film. It's much less exciting. It's a lot of dirty yards. It's a lot of him, you know, doing what he does, which is pick up short in short yardage situations I mean, he's got 24 touchdowns this year at 18 last year. He's a great goal line back. He knows how to get those dirty, tough yards. But I just don't know if the upside is there anymore for me where I'm willing to put high draft capital into Blake Corum. Yeah, it's it's really about the floor for me yeah. that, that puts him at four here because, like, you know exactly what you're getting, I feel like, with this player. And – some of the guys that I have below them, it's a little bit of a question. And yep. so that that's the big thing. And uh, the elusiveness rating, just, just I'll put it out there for the people that are curious. Okay. It's the success and impact of a runner with the ball independently of blocking. So it's basically, are you making people miss that are not blocked? And that I feel like makes sense and – uh, but you know, PFF, who really knows? And I was looking at who the, who has the most carries of all time in a college career, because I was like, you know, Corum, he's, he's touched the ball a lot, but his first two years, it wasn't crazy. Who do you think has the most carries of all time in a college football career? It's Herschel Walker. Wow. 994 carries. Oh my God. <laughs> so Blake Corum's only at, you know, 636, not quite at Herschel Walker numbers. He'd need a, another like full season and a half to get there. But I mean, it's a lot of carries and a yep. lot of rushing yards. And like you said, a lot of dirty work in between the tackles that he's doing for a small guy. So the, the upside is limited, but I feel like the floor is pretty high. Yep. Also, pass catching not really a factor for him as well. So there's degrees to this lack of upside yeah. that I'm that I'm coming in, coming at Corum with. I know there's big Corum fans out there. He's a good player, just don't really know what the upside looks like at the NFL level. And then I have one more stat for Corum that okay. kind of accentuates this whole thing. Yeah. So Corum 
converted on 96.8% of his short yardage rushes. So that's three yards or less for a first first down or a touchdown. So three out of every four short yardage situations, Coram's getting you those three yards. So that's what I got. That 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 you see that with the touchdown numbers and you know. Yep. Very reliable runner. Not in question at all. And that's yep. why I think in a class like this, which is full of like, eh, I don't know, it's a player that you could see maybe being one of the better running backs during his time in the NFL than in which relation. Which could be a very short time. It just might be a short time. That's right. it. But all right. So I had Coram at six. You have him at four. We're running out of spaces here. There's going right. to be some interesting conversations, I think. Yeah. Number three for me is Jonathan Brooks from Texas. All right. I have him lower. Lower? Yeah. Uh, He's outside of my top five because there's no room left. So So Jonathan Brooks, this is a a new player to my top five. Uh, I guess Estime was as well. But Jonathan Brooks, to me, this is a, a tier up. My my four and five, I kind of have lumped together, maybe four, five, and six, but very different players. We jump up here to a player that I think has a little bit of added upside in this class where these these top three players for me are guys that you're not a perfect running back by any stretch of the imagination, but I can see you becoming something more at the NFL level, a running back that in the right system, in the right scheme, under the right conditions can be something because, and the reason I say this with Jonathan Brooks is because this is just a player that knows how to get yards that aren't created for him. Like he was one of the more elusive players in college football this year. Um, ended up forcing 63 missed tackles on the year, and that was in a slightly just slightly shortened slate. Um, obviously tore his ACL late in the year, and that's going to factor in here as well because, you know, does he declare even? That's a question mark still at this point. He hasn't officially declared yet. And then how does the injury affect him in the spring, you know, when it comes to testing and then eventually getting drafted. That's, you know, all question marks right now. But the player that I saw on the field for Texas this year was pretty good. And I think he was maybe the most complete running back in this class. Like, based on what I saw, you talk about an inside runner, an outside runner, as a pass catcher, All of these areas, I think Jonathan Brooks might be the most complete running back in this class. Now, the areas that I'm like a little bit concerned, not really concerned, but the the areas that holds him back, especially from being like the top runner in this class for me, is his footwork is a little bit weird. It's like I he kind of, I don't know how to even describe it. (laughs) Like, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Like, his feet look like knives. I. That's a good way to describe. I. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It is weird, and with Brooks, I. 
I didn't put him in my top five because I don't think he's going to declare because okay. of the injury. So that that's really what kept me where I wanted to have focus the conversation more on the guys that I kind of expect to be in the draft. But that being said, I have another guy that I don't think is going to declare later. But, uh, yeah, Brooks is a very explosive, creative runner. Yeah, Like, he is enjoyable to watch. Like, Texas fans have been treated the last two years to their running backs. I mean, he's not Bijan, but he's damn fun to watch, and he makes a lot of really fun things happen. And it's a shame that he got injured because, again, this is kind of the conversation that we had about Blake Corum where it's like, hey, I hope he comes out despite the injury. And then he's, like, ready to go at the beginning of his NFL career next year. But is that actually going to happen? We don't know because he can take another year in college to develop and wait. And, you know, the draft stock will be hurt by the injury and you'll get less money and you can get NIL now. So there's that angle with running backs of, like, I can stay in college longer, get some more NIL money, and then go get my rookie contract. So – there's there's a lot here with Jonathan Brooks, but when it comes to talent, there's like no question. Like this is one of the most talented running backs in this class. He's one of the more explosive running backs, and like you said, he's a creator. When some of these guys just aren't, like he can make things happen behind the line of scrimmage, and then like make guys miss in the hole, like just get a few extra yards when you're not supposed to and that that is a exciting thing with a running back that you need like if you're going to be a a real down-to-down running back that's going to be trusted that's something that you need yeah like so okay i'll go back to my knives comment in a little bit like everybody's like what the fuck is this guy talking about uh I, I want to go back to a word that you said, though, which is creative. I think he's an extremely creative runner. I think he has excellent vision. I think he sees the play. He anticipates the play. He, he understands how the blocking is going to materialize. And he uses his blockers very effectively. You see him cut at the perfect time. The Leverage timing of his cuts. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, like... He'll, he'll a blocker like guard will engage and he'll be right on him and then he'll cut right off of his butt right at the second that that happens he's not wasting any any time he's not wasting any motion he's just letting the play and then he knows how to turn it into yards immediately so i like that a lot about him it's what makes me say you know this could even be the best running back in this class because i think his vision might kind of set him apart versus some of these other players and that explosiveness that he has like i said were i mean very tight areas he can cut so tight and so quickly and use his acceleration to get back up to speed now the the part with his feet that just it and i don't know that it's something that is gonna like negatively affect him in a big way like this might just be his quirk because that that's okay like players don't have to have to look the same but it does seem like there's a little bit of wasted motion with his feet when he is just moving, when he is getting himself into open space. He's kind of setting up the play, getting out, 
when he's not making that move, the feet are going a little wild. And I wonder if he's wasting a little bit of motion. He's not the most, you know, explosive finisher that I saw in this class. And I don't know if that plays a role in that or, or you know, or, or what it is. But uh, I do think like there is a little bit fundamentally he can improve on, but he does have a lot of those core traits that you're looking for in a running back. That that's pretty nitpicky stuff, especially in a class like this, where it's like, can you make the first guy miss? Brooks can. Can you see the field well? Brooks can. Can you factor in as a pass catcher? Brooks can. So And then he's, he's got the long speed. Yeah. And then go. Yeah. So he like I said, maybe the most complete runner. I think the guys ahead of him right now for me, they they just show you a little bit more traits-wise where you say, like, this could be something. But I think right now, 2023 film, this might be the best runner right now in the class. Yeah, I so I totally agree. I love Jonathan Brooks. And the the big thing for me comes down to – like I said, I, I just don't expect him to declare, yep. but I guess that's too much speculation for me, and I should just be ranking based off of like what he looks like. And if I am, he would be in my top three. So that that's where I'm at. I just saw it with the torn ACL and how young he yeah. is. It's it's just not going to happen. Yep, totally fair. And we're going to be waiting. There's several running backs in this class. We're just waiting to find out what's next for them. So. My number three yeah, is Travion Henderson. Okay. From Ohio State. Yep. You have to have him higher. I do. Okay. I have him at number two. Okay. So let's go with Travion here, and then we have another discussion to have next with our next ranking spot. Okay. So uh, Travion had, uh, he had a season <laughs> this year. <laughs> A roller coaster, I'd say. Yeah. Where you know we we talked about him as often as we could. It started with the Notre Dame game in Week Four, and then he was out for a few weeks, and he ended the season on a pretty high note, I'd say. Uh, there, we had some questions about you know what is this player? Can he return to form of who he was in 2021? Uh, what what is this going to look like? But the player ended up looking pretty similar to who he was in 2021. I mean, there are some issues here that that I have, and a lot of it revolves around being banged up so often. I mean, if you're already getting these miles put on you, you're already getting injured this often, what's it going to look like in the NFL, and can you be like trusted to stay healthy? And I know you can't project injuries and all that, but when you're already you know, a fragile player, it's hard to project you to be like a picture of health. So... That, that is my, my number one red flag with Henderson. My number two is he doesn't find work when he's blocking. And that keeps you off the field on third down, regardless of how good you are at catching passes. If you're waiting for guys to come to you, it's it's going to be a problem. you got to go look for some contact. you got to go find some ribs. That, that's the biggest thing. So injuries, pass blocking, as – good as he is as a receiver you you have to also be able to be checked into blocking if the defense is blitzing on third down and if henderson is not going to be good at that then it's hard to trust you as a you know third down back because on first and second down 
dynamic runner and he can make it happen. He has, you know, all the tools in the toolbox. He can, uh, he's got strong cuts. He can make you miss in the open field. He can get skinny. I mean, he can finish runs every once in a while. You don't see it often, but when he's running angry, it's a lot of fun to watch. So Henderson, I, I like him and I would just, I'd love to see this guy healthy for a full season and move on from there. He's incredibly enigmatic right yeah. now. I have no, I, I, this was another one. I mean, I mean, it's, it was a tough, it's a tough class to really put together. And this is one of the big reasons why I mentioned Jonathan Brooks as a runner right now might be the best in this class. Travion is one of two players I have slightly ahead of Brooks right now because I think what we saw in the second half of 2023 was a little bit of what can be a special running back when it all kind of works for Travion, when he is looking explosive, when he is getting involved in the passing game. That showed up. When he came back from earlier in the year dealing with more injuries, he came back and he had that stretch where we were talking about him every single week. We said, this is 2021 all over again. And then when I went back and watched the film, I saw a lot of that, you know, the same qualities that I really liked about Travion from way back in the day where he is an explosive, dynamic runner. His ability to cut laterally is very impressive. And that showed up numerous times where he is setting up a second level defender from behind a blocker. So there's that one play in the Minnesota game. And I think we talked about this, even when it happened, we gave him a badge that week where he has the left tackle is engaged on a defensive lineman. And he's got a linebacker right behind that, that engagement. And he sets that player up so well where he kind of just sits and hesitates and uses his head to fake that linebacker and buy himself that added half second where then he can use a jump cut to get himself way outside. And by that point, the linebacker is already out of the place, flat-footed. There's no way he's going to beat Travion to the edge, and, they, and then Travion ends up scoring on that play. Those are the types of things that he does so well as a runner. The things that... Give me a little bit of pause with Travion is the inside running. He is a, he's an outside runner. Like he loves to bounce it outside. He loves to use that jump cut, use that lateral, you know, explosiveness and ability that he has to get outside and create plays. He's not really a strong or super reliable inside runner. It's not something that's really a part of his game. As far as I saw, um, and then when you look at the numbers, I mean, he has uh, on this season uh, when he's running off center, whether that's left or right off the center, only 140 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. That's compared to, you know, 10 yards per carry on the outside, on outside runs. Like he is a very effective outside runner, but the inside stuff is a question mark. And then, like you said, the health, it's fair. It's completely fair because he's regressed for two straight years. I mean, he, he showed you a little bit of that player again in the second half of this year, like I said. But when we're, t when we're continually talking about play from two years ago, when we're still talking about that as like, well, yeah, two years ago, though, he looked like 
eventually we have to just start saying, okay, this is the player today. And this is a player that's had some injuries, that's lost a little bit maybe compared to what he was a couple years ago as a freshman. I mean, there's legitimate reasons to say that the injuries that he has sustained in the last two years could be something that lingers with him into the NFL. As new injuries pop up, suddenly, you know, this isn't quite that player that we remember. So he's a tricky eval. He's one that I'm I'm really struggling with. I landed at number two just because I still really like what this player can be, like his athletic tools, and just have to hope we get the best version of Travion in the NFL. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's like, can you look at, and this is a, a different kind of comparison, but when it comes to styles, it, him and Gibbs are kind of similar, where they're outside guys with a little more finesse to their game, and can they be utilized in the right way in the NFL? And you can see with the Lions, Gibbs is used really nicely as an outside player, catching passes, that kind of stuff, and has Montgomery paired with him to do the bruiser stuff. And, like, obviously Travion's not as talented as Jameer, but he has a similar kind of game where if he can stay outside and he can, you know, avoid all that contact on the inside, number one, it does a lot for him in terms of scheme. Number two, it does a lot for him in terms of health when you're taking on corners and safeties rather than linebackers and D-linemen. So that could be something that prolongs his career and also helps his value on a yards-per-touch type of basis. All right. So where are we here? We're going to my number two because Travion was your number two. Yep. Uh, Brooks is your number three. Travion was my number three. So my number two is Braylon Allen. And this has a lot to do. So he's your number five. And so the, I feel like this is going to be a lot of back and forth here. So yep. um, I'll start by saying this has a lot to do with 2021 and 2022. More than it has to do with what he put on tape this year. Because frankly, it was less impressive than what we've seen out of him. And... You see, like, you want to see him emerge in this offense, in this new offense that Wisconsin brings in, Luke Fickle, you know, Tanner Mordecai, whatever, air raid. And um, it just never transpired. You look at what kind of offense they're running, and they, I mean, Braylon Allen has played in essentially three different offenses in his career in terms of running style. In his first year, it was a pretty balanced scheme. Second year is heavy gap. Third year is heavy zone out of the shotgun. So 2023, it just didn't look good. He looks like he's very uncomfortable running out of the gun. And that's a problem because a lot of the NFL is running out of the gun. So he is going to need to end up somewhere that is either running him out of single back eye formation power stuff which is not super common, but it's kind of making its way back into the NFL with the the Sean McVay, uh, Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan with the motion under center, uh, getting a single back going, you know, twelve formation that kind of stuff. That that is a style that is not unpopular in the NFL. They're going more under center now, so that's not something I'm super concerned about, but. 
out of the gun, like I said, he looks uncomfortable. So that limits a lot of the game. But the good thing is you saw, I mean, he's a fantastic pass blocker. Which, uh, he's, him and Estime, you, you see this big running back and you want them to look like a big running back in the pass blocking game, and they do. They, they will stonewall you. They will chip and really disrupt a rush and then get out into like the flat, and both of them do that. Another thing that was good this year was one drop on 30 targets. The passing game work was totally fake. I mean, he got 30, 28 receptions. All of it is like just dump offs two, three yards. Like he had 28 receptions, 131 yards. It's, I mean, there's nothing there. It's, it's all little dump offs, little check downs. There's no real routes here. Nothing to be like, oh, he has super high pass catching upside. He doesn't really. He makes himself available. He can pass block. He can play on third down, but he's doesn't look great out of the gun. So that's a lot of the third down stuff that the NFL is running is out of the shotgun, spreading it out, all that stuff. I don't think he's going in the slot very much. So the pass catching stuff is limited. But I feel like he's one of the few running backs in this class that has three down uh, work. Like he, he can be a three down back. And I just don't don't think a ton of the other guys have that here. It's going to be weird for me to say this because – I feel like the easy thing to say is the opposite, which is that I don't know that he's a high upside player. Like, I think we, I, I, at least I did, you know, when you go through the year and this this age number, it just keeps coming up. Oh, my God, he's 19. Oh, my God, he's going to be 20. Like, it starts to create an idea of a player. 6'2", 245, 20 years old, like, you know what the sky's the limit what can't this guy be at the nfl level and then i just come away watching and and to be fair i i am basing my opinion on 2023 because like i said with henderson i mean with every single one of these players it's like i just wish you looked more like this year you know like there's like travion wish you looked like 2021 braylon allen wish you looked like 2021 Another player, wish you looked like last year. You know, like it's just it's it's a hard class because a lot of these guys regress this year or have regressed since a dominant year that we have seen from them. And for me, watching this film from this season, I just came away saying, I think this is a good player. I like what he does on third down, like you said. Good pass blocker, good dirty yards player. I mean, obviously he's got the frame and he's got the power to run between the tackles and you see that. I just don't know what else beyond that you can really look to. I don't think he's an extremely explosive player. I don't think he needs to be at his size, but that's that's a limiter. That's a limiter. You can be what you are if you're Braylon Allen, if you're a power running, you know, I formation back that's working is short yardage and at the goal line, like that's great. And actually, I'm watching the Ravens-Niners game last night, and I'm watching Gus Edwards, and I'm just like, this is what Colin wants. If if Braylon Allen is the Gus Edwards player in the Ravens yeah, offense, exactly, it's a perfect fit. And yep. he's a valuable fantasy piece because Gus Edwards is a touchdown merchant this year, and that could be Braylon Allen. But 
I just I'm I'm struggling to get myself to see a player that is a a game changer that comes into an NFL offense and commands attention and touches at the running back position. I just don't know if that's him because like you said, third, you know, as, as a pass catcher, yeah, there's some stats here, but I don't really see him as a weapon as a pass catcher. Don't really see him as a dynamic outside runner questionable in the, you know, open spaces. He's not a, he's not a long speed sort of like run finisher, he just kind of is what he is, and that's fine. But for me, that just ended up being number five in this class. Yep, and I, I think what you mentioned is with the limited upside, I, I do agree. Like, he looks – so in 2021, he was this, like, prince that was promised to us. It yep. was this, you know, 17-year-old kid that was incredible to watch, super explosive, long speed, whatever, you know, 6.8 yards per carry – and I feel like it's just how much weight he's put on because it looks like he's heavier. It looks like he's slower. The cuts aren't as sharp. It, it, like, you're 20 years old. You, you shouldn't look like you've been hampered down this much, you know? And last year it felt like he found a nice blend in 2022 of that, you know, explosion in the power and then it feels like you, you you lean a little too far one direction, and that like you become a power back, but you have you know the you have three yards per after contact per attempt as opposed to your freshman year you have four point four eight. So like you you sap a little bit of that explosion to become a better short yardage back, but it just doesn't seem like you actually became a better short yardage back. It just seems like you lost a little bit of juice. And maybe that has to do with being banged up because he was injured a few times this year too. Uh, he had the lowest amount of carries in his career. You know, he had 185 as a freshman, had 181 this year versus 230 his sophomore year. So like you said, it's a lot of looking back and like seeing what this player has been and like, could he become this player again? Maybe, but it's a lot of what if with Braylon. It's a like, what can he be? And it's got to be in the right spot in the right scheme, whatever. So I, I can, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you're wrong for having him number five because I, it's all very valid criticism. It's just that type of class, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you got question marks up and down this list. And, and also a, a big part of this for me what keeps Allen at five as opposed to maybe like four or three even, the fumbles. Yep. It, it's a real thing. And it's for a player with questionable upside, ball security becomes even more important. Because if you're going to be the dirty between the tackles, like red zone guy, like you got to be able to hold on to the ball. And this year, four fumbles. Freshman year, four fumbles. I mean, he had only one as a sophomore, but over an entire body of work, it does appear that he does have a little bit of a ball security issue. And that's something that I do weigh fairly heavily in my running back evals because we see it time and time again. I mean, Jesus, man, even Bijan fumbles and he gets pulled out of the game. Like I, I don't know why coaches do that all the time, <laughs> but it happens and this isn't Bijan. So it, it's right. just that that exponential curve of like if you're going to be a, a, a less explosive, a less commanding, a less dynamic runner, you, you the one thing you got to do is just hold on to the ball. Don't turn it over. And so 
I don't know. That's that was one thing with Allen as well. Two more things I I gotta add. Yep. The age, I mean, it has to be taken into account. Yep. Like he's a young guy. That matters. He's twenty years old. Well, he'll be twenty years old in January. So he'll be twenty his whole rookie year. Um that is something for in a class where there's a lot of old players in a I mean, NCAA where you know, with the extra years of eligibility, a lot of the prospects are older. So he's going to get a little higher draft capital. That's going to matter. And then an adjustment that needs to be talked about that helped Braylon Allen this year where he looked his best in the Minnesota game at the end of the year, battle for the axe. What they did in that game versus many other games is what they still ran out of the gun. But they ran out of a pistol set rather than going with, like, the running back offset to either side. And running out of the pistol set and letting him get downhill when he's getting the ball, it seems like it just made him way more decisive. Because he – it seems like – I spoke about his, you know, lack of explosion, a little bit less lateral quickness than he had before. When he gets downhill and then he can, you know, cut while going downhill rather than trying to go laterally and then explode, it feels like a totally different player. So I I just feel like a lot of the problems with Braylon's game that have developed over the last two years can be solved by having him be in an offense that moves him downhill rather than trying to go side to side with a guy that is this size, you know? Yeah, it's it's that's a great point scheme matters with these players and like you said this year arguably his worst in college football completely different situation that he was in so we can't ignore that needs to be taken into account as well so oh my god here we are i i have questions okay i do too but okay number one you're up I'm up. It's Trey Benson, baby. <laughs> okay. It's not yours. Isn't it's, Trey it's Benson? It's not. It's not Trey Benson. Who am I missing? I. You know who you're missing. Oh no! I did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. This is good. These. This. <laughs> this is going to be fireworks. You thought okay. Braylon was going to be fireworks? All right. Let's do it. Trey Benson is my number one running back. He's not in your top five. He's not. He's your number second. one running back is not in my top five. That's correct. This is a first on Camp Dynasty. This has this never is, happened before. This is incredible and a testament to the running back classes here. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I'll start. Because Trey Benson is a name that we are very familiar with. This was my running back one before the season. And... What I came back to watching these players is just in a class like this, in a class of unknowns and everybody has, you know, that yellow flag or red flag attached to them, I'm going to go with a player that made me feel something that <laughs> nobody else made me feel. And that was Trey Benson in 2022. And I'm and I'm a hypocrite. I'm contradicting what I just said. <laughs> Because I said we gotta look we gotta look at the now. We can't keep looking in the past. But to me, and I am gonna I am gonna hedge a little bit here, to me, twenty twenty one is a lot 
further away than 2022 because Travion, Braylon Allen were looking back two years ago with freshman players that are, you know, I was looking at last year with with okay. Braylon. I, get, I I I'm just saying I still right. okay. see Braylon Allen's 2021 film as his best. So okay. it's just it we get another degree removed and it's kind of like okay maybe this is a new reality. And for me, Trey Benson, I mean the film from last year was just so electric and special that I was like, what happened this year? Like, I don't understand that. That is my analysis. That's my expert opinion. I don't know what happened to him this year because he was a completely different runner. He was a completely different player in the open field. And when he was making cuts, making players miss, I mean, we talked about it coming into the year, 79 missed tackles forced on only 154 attempts in 2022 this elusiveness number that we started these conversations with 226.6 last year unbelievable it yeah like it doesn't mean anything on the surface but i'm telling you it that is an incredibly high number historically high number for pff so how did we then get to a 104.4 elusiveness number and only 40 it is it is still good and 44 missed tackles still solid. So to me, the regression that I saw with Benson, while it is concerning, it wasn't substantial enough for me to completely erase what I saw in 2022. Like the player that I saw this year was not quite as dynamic, not quite as explosive, not quite as strong through contact but he did still show me enough in those areas where I still think I'm going to go back to something I said a few weeks ago. I think this is a better NFL running back than he was a Florida state running back. I just don't know why it was such a committee and the way that they used him and all of that. I really do think that the traits that Trey Benson has makes him an alluring NFL runner and one that can be maximized to his value in the right system at the NFL level. Yeah. The, it was, the 2022 stuff is very real. It, it's a, a different player watching 2022 versus 2023. And that matters. But when I watched the 2022 film, I still was thinking like, I want to see improvements in in these areas of his game and and we talked about that in preseason like i want to see him you know make those decisive cuts and work the dirty yardage more and it seems like he did it less this year and that that i mean keys into what we're looking at and he had basically the same amount of opportunities this year he had 156 carries 154 last year Turned into a little less yards per carry. I don't care that much. I feel like that's represented in the elusiveness score because he makes a few guys miss. But last year was like an unbelievable season in terms of like making guys miss. And this year was just like an elite season. So I think that's where that drop off falls in is like he made less guys miss, but that was at like a unreal pace in 2022 so i i didn't expect him to be as good as this year whatever but 
Uh, it just feels like a player that is always searching for that super electric highlight that he can deliver. And like I, I talked about him having people bouncing off of him and like he still has that. You still see that. Like there's the LSU game where he like made a run where he's literally makes the, the hard cut off of his blocker bounces off a guy falls forward like seven yards gets hit again and it's a 15 yard carry and that's that's the trey benson where it's like this is what i need to see and then there's times where he's like got the hand on the blocker and he's just waiting for something to and that's when i I talked about a little bit with estimate it's like just go get a couple yards because you're not going to get the big one this play and that that was the the biggest glaring issue that I saw with Benson is like I I just need you to to work because this is a, a good you know a good back that can catch passes that can you know have make explosive plays but there are issues here where I I can't have you searching for home runs and not hitting them as often you know the last year. He was hitting them pretty often, and he was making guys miss a lot. But he's has less breakaway runs this year. He by, you know, he had thirty one ten plus yards run last year. He had twenty three this year. He you know forces way less tackles. He, yeah, forces less missed tackles. Uh, so I just there. It seems like a home run hitter, and when he hits the home runs, he looks like an incredible player, but I need some more singles for a consistent number one running back in my class, especially. It's fair, and I wonder, it makes you wonder when you say that, like, was there an unsustainable level of, like, I'm going to do this again from 2022? Like, was he... Was he? Did he have a different mentality coming off of this year, where it seemed like he couldn't be brought down, where he couldn't be tackled in the open yeah. field? Did he come in with a little bit too much of the, you know, I'm going to try to make this play? I, it's coachable, right? I mean, that's true. It's I mean, coachable. Yeah. I, I, and that's why I keep going back to the athletics, the athleticism. When I see guys like Henderson and then like Benson, where I just see dynamic athletes that yeah there's issues there's some real issues with these players but i think some of it is just iron out the kinks and you don't always get a chance to do that at the nfl level you're not you know they're not going to bring these guys in these are not going to be like high nfl draft picks they're not going to be nurtured in the ways that some of these other players might but i have to believe that there's a little bit of untapped with some of these guys and a guy like Benson for me is just still he's alluring. That's, that's the word that I just always come back to. Like, I I love what you are or I like what you are. I love what you can be. And I think one of the areas again, this year that gets brought into was the pass catching. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't like massive production, but they got him more worked in and you do see the kind of contributions he can have in that area as well. Thought he was a solid pass blocker as well. Very reliable ball carrier, no fumbles in his collegiate career. 
So there's a lot of these little things to like alongside of this uber athlete that Trey Benson is. Maybe he's not quite a a full, you know, well-rounded running back yet, but I still can't get away from the player that I see him becoming in the NFL. A thing that I had a huge issue with with Benson is like they use they put him out in the slot quite a bit. Yeah. And it's the routes are lazy. Didn't do anything with it. Yeah. yeah the routes are super lazy and it's clear that the ball is not going to go to him. But as a defender, you can see that by how much effort Benson is putting into his route, which is something that was like, all right, I get it, but you just run, if you're in the the pass play and you're running out of the slot, run your route, full speed, give me effort. I want to like make yourself an option because if that's covered and he's got to come to you, you're going to be like you're not a threat on that play. So. That was my my one of my big issues was like, hey man, we gotta try. Let's go. So That's fair. I noticed that as well. It's almost like why are you putting it just don't even put him in the slot. Like exactly. these are wasted this is a wasted rep from him. So but all right. Do I have anything else for Benson? I don't think so. Which okay. means it's time. <laughs> we made it. Who's my number one running back? It's Devin Neal. It's Devin Neal. Jesus, man. I can't even believe it. <laughs> I I can't. I didn't think I was gonna get here, but I was like, I'll I'll, I'll put him at number three. You know that feels right. And I was like, no, I like him more than that. I'm just gonna. This is my guy, and I'm I'm planting my flag. I'm doing it. Let's talk about 2023. Damn it. <laughs> okay. We keep talking it. about 2021, 2022. These players looked better back then. No, Devin Neal had his best year in 2023. I mean, had 183 attempts, 1,209 yards, 15 touchdowns. He had 214 yards to the air. I mean, he's just electrifying. He's 5'11", 210, running back out of Kansas, if you're not familiar. I mean – this guy can make people miss in the open field better than anybody I've watched in this class. And that's that's what did it for me. Was like he's nice between the tackles. He finishes his runs, even though he's, you know, not a huge player. He's five eleven, two ten. Not bad, but not big. And he is putting his shoulder down. He's working dirty yards. He's a good pass catcher, very good pass catcher. And he pass blocks. And so he checks literally all of my boxes. And then he can go between the tackles, get those three, four-yard runs. But then when you get him on the edge, man, oh, my God. Like, unreal player when it comes to one-on-one situations. So there was just nothing to keep him out of this spot where there's other players that I have, like, serious red flags with. Devin Neal, I have, I mean, almost none. There, There's times where he tries to finish a run, gets popped, and that led to one huge fumble that he had against Illinois where, I mean, the blocks did not set up correctly, and I think he was expecting a different look. But he turns up field, and he's like, well, I'm taking this hit. I'm going to try to deliver it. And he got blown up, and that's part of the size thing. It's like sometimes you, you know, you don't got to take the hit head on. Because it doesn't always work, but 
I mean, Devin Neal just impressed me every single time I watched him. So here we are. It's your guy. It's my guy. It's a class of who's your guy. That's what I that's what I said to start. I mean, it's pick your flavor. It's what are you looking for? And it really is the epitome of this class when we land on two different players as our number one players and that player is not in the other person's top five, period. So what kept Devin Neal out of my top five? Uh, well, I'll, first I'll tell you that I do have him right now at number eight on my Oof. list. So okay. he is the player right below Bucky Irving because I kind of see them in a similar fashion where Devin Neal is first and foremost one of the most explosive players in this class, if not the most explosive runner in this class. When you talk about pure cutback ability, some of the cutbacks that he has on film are just goofy. Like it's just mm -hmm. asinine. Like there's one, I think it's against Illinois, where he just he puts his foot in the ground like five yards off of a linebacker and that linebacker just goes flying. And then the safety behind him also goes flying because they're like, what is going on? Like, how, how can we even, nobody can move like this at the second level. So that's the, that's the great with Devin Neal is that outside in space dynamic running. The problem for me is the Kansas offense is very tough to it's like a tough projection because it's triple option there's a lot of direct snaps there's a lot of misdirection I mean it's not a one for one where I can sit and say okay this player can excel in the areas that he's going to need to at the NFL level and and one of those areas where I think maybe we see him a little bit differently is between the tackles I did not see a, a very effective inside runner I didn't see a player that was running through contact all that often. Uh, I liked the ball security with only having one fumble, and and the one, like you said, was very dramatic. And it's sort of just outlined for me, which is just that he he's 210 pounds. He's a bigger player, but he takes big hits, and he doesn't always keep those legs moving through that contact like a lot of these other players in this class do. So... As of right now, I see him as a little bit one-dimensional, a little gadgety even. I mean, and that's just taking 2023 at face value and saying this is the scheme that he's in. This is the way they were getting the ball in his hands. I think he's a dynamic offensive player at the NFL level, but I don't know that he is a de dependable you know, workhorse or even a 1A runner at the NFL level. That's fair. I get it. The offense is very gimmicky. Uh, there's, there's just these plays where I'm like, that's not teachable, you know? And I, I feel like the stuff between the tackles is good enough. And it's true that when he is going to like be contacted by a defender that's coming downhill at him, he's like almost like trying to have like a Madden truck stick moment. And it's not like a real, like, I'm going to get through this contact. And a lot of times when somebody's coming downhill at him, he can, like, make a miss side to side. But when he can't, it's like, all right, I'm going to take you head on and I'm going to 
try to crush you. And then it's just like nothing happens and no yards are gained and he's down right there. And so as a power runner, it's not inspiring, but I think he makes up for it with his speed, his footwork, and like the cuts that he makes are just unreal. So uh, I think you're underselling the two biggest parts of his game. Here we go. <laughs> uh, and well, and again, it's another player we're still waiting for a declaration right. to. So there, and that's, you know, it's a common theme right now. The shape of this running back class is kind of TBD because there are several, I mean, players at the top of these rankings. The only one that's declared is Travion Henderson and, and for you, Braylon Allen. I mean, it's like there is mystery with Neil, with uh, Brooks, with, you know, Henderson. Even. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's mystery in this class. Could be coming out at 25. Yeah. (laughs) Please God come out. (laughs) But no, I hear you. I respect the the stick to your guns, the stand on the table. I believe me, the elusiveness is very appealing. It's very special. But there's just you know, there's it's again, it's like that's how I feel about Trey yeah. Benson, yep. and that's where we are. You know, it's just uh, it's it's this is the wild west of running backs in this class. What are you gonna do? Who are you gonna who are you gonna attach your flag to? Yeah. Watching his game against UCF, and it's UCF, I understand. But among the the litany of impressive plays, I mean, the whole game against UCF is just unreal. So just, you know, maybe it's irresponsible, but here we'll I am. We'll rewind this in several months, and then you'll you'll get to take your victory lap when, when right. Devin Neal is, is the Already guy. Won, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, man. Yeah. That's the 2024 rookie running back class. Uh, if you couldn't tell from the discussion, it's kind of just off All the over wall, the <laughs> crazy. I mean, very hard to pin down this group. And I think, I think our closest ranking was Travion. Yeah, where you had him two, I had him three. Everybody yep. else, it's completely like completely all, all over, over the, place. the place. Yeah, and it's usually not a good sign no i'm just saying like just normally when it's like yeah i my tier is is this and and it that there really isn't concrete tiers in this class based on the 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 evidence that we yeah. watched from 2023 so when my um, rb1 is your rb8 and your yeah. rb1 is my rb7 that's where it it's, becomes right a multi, yeah a, a class man so we will hopefully learn a little bit more about these running backs as we move forward. There is a lot to obviously unpack here. Testing becomes important in these situations as well when things are this you know packed together. But um, overall, we kind of went through like most of our top tens already, like yeah. based on who had who in what spots. Um, we're already eight deep on my list, and I think we are also eight deep on my list. Yeah. So I mean, any, any no any notable names outside my of the guy. top eight? <laughs> my guy, Jace McClellan. All right. It's the only other guy that I, I didn't even watch. I, I I liked a little bit. Where I mean, he's fine. 
you know, he's my number nine running back in the class. It's, yeah. it's nothing to write home about. But I just think he's a explosive downhill runner. And I think that there's a lot of meat on the bone with his game. Yep. Um, Marshawn Lloyd is my number nine player that I talked about. Um, still like the game. Still like what he does as a runner. It's it's a lot of the little things that holds him back. He, ball security wasn't it, it was a problem then it wasn't a problem and then he finishes this season and you know each of his college careers or each of his college seasons he has at least two fumbles uh he had three this year again um or and, and another player here that's going to be 23 when he's drafted so i'm not going to knock Corum and not knock lloyd i mean they're both lower in my rankings and yep. it's reflective of that so um and outside of that it's Good luck. Yep. I mean, that's everybody else. <laughs> yep. But <sighs> I am hopeful. I am hopeful that when we get to next summer, there will be at least one or two runners that have a little bit of buzz, a little bit of excitement, so that when we start drafting, there's a couple players at least that we can take in the first round and feel decent about it. I don't know. I'm happy it's over. Yeah, hate to say it. I'm happy, happy that over. next week we get to talk about wide receivers. Exactly, there will be no. I mean, I, that that'll be an interesting episode for a different reason because it's yeah. like all these guys are so good. Right, where do you even rank them? So, yep, yep. It's a tale of, I mean, polar opposites with the wide receivers and the running backs this year. So we will get to unpack the wide receiver class next week. Like I said, might even expand past the top five a little bit just because we already know there's going to be so many names, first round dynasty caliber players already in this class. So um, we'll get there next week. If you enjoyed the discussion on 2024 running backs, I'm sorry, first of all, if you have a first-round pick and need a running back because this conversation definitely didn't give you any confidence in that ability. Who can you buy low right now Yeah, a running back? Damian Pierce? Do you want that guy? No. No, I don't want first. If you enjoyed the discussion make sure to find us on x formerly known as twitter at camp underscore dynasty and tiktok at camp dot dynasty and check out our youtube channel that is camp dynasty subscribe their video feeds of the pods go up every week and then of course like rate review subscribe follow share the podcast if that is where you choose to listen we very much appreciate it Happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and hopefully you enjoy some time, hopefully with, like, family, friends, whatever you end up doing. And thank you for checking in with us. Yeah. If you're really in the appreciate mi- the gift of support. In the middle of Christmas or holiday season and New Year's and all of that, take a little bit of time to listen to Camp Dynasty. We appreciate it very much. So um, on to wide receivers, Colin. I feel a lot better about that than I <laughs> than I did coming off of last week's show. So we'll get there. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week.